starting a new series today, and it's called Tunnel of Chaos. And I want to start by reading a text that I think kind of reflects this notion that we're going to be developing over the next few weeks. It's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in verses 3 through 11. Let's read this together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the same comfort that we've received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we're distressed, it's for your salvation. If we're comforted, it's for your comfort. Our hope for you is, far, is firm, because we know that just as you've shared in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we've suffered. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life itself. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us, and we have set our hope on him that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks to God for the gracious favor granted to us in answer to your many prayers. Let me ask you this question. How do you get through a tunnel of chaos where you have no peace, no joy, no hope? How do you get through a tunnel of chaos when your worldview has all of a sudden been turned upside down? Where your heart is breaking, where your mind is confused, where your will is hardened, where you don't want any change in your life, and all of a sudden your world is shrunk around you. Will you circle these three phrases? Our hope is firm because we know. What I wanna to say to us this morning is it's what you know that gets you through what you're going through. If you don't know the right things when the tough times come blowing in at you, you will be blown over. You will cave in. If you don't know the right truths, you're not going to be, you are not going to be able to stand up and be spiritually strong. What you know is what gets you through. Now, when someone is going through some kind of tough situation, the most often asked question is this, how you doing? I would have us know that that, I believe, is a very inappropriate question because once you've stepped into a tunnel of chaos, it's generally pretty obvious how you're doing. You're not doing well. The right question, though, is this. How are you going to get through it? Will you write this down? What you know is what gets you through. It's what I know. You see, as Christians, our lives are not to be built on the shifting sand of popularity or pop culture, but rather it is to be built on God's word, his truth. Today, I want to mention three truths that need to be absolutely foundational, bedrock in your life if you're going to get through what you're going through, if you're going to get through a tunnel of chaos. As your pastor who loves you, I need to tell you this, and it's not a shock, but I just gotta be, not everything is a bed of roses in life, is it? You and I go through tough times, and so you and I will, exp will experience some major losses in life. But remember, 
There is no growth without change. And there's no change without loss. And there's no loss without pain. And there's no pain without grief. You and I, as we go through life, we're gonna experience change and loss and pain. And yes, we are going to grieve. And what you and I need to know in order to get through that, you need to write and take some good notes today because you're gonna need to know these things. How do you get through a tunnel of chaos when your worldview has just changed? I mean, it's just been flipped 180 degrees. Your heart's breaking, your mind is confused. Well, the first thing that you need to know is this. When life doesn't make sense, you can have peace because you know God is with you and he loves you. Life is confusing, isn't it? It is. And when it is, there are oftentimes more questions that are raised than are answered. A lot more questions that are raised than answers. And the truth of the matter is, we simply don't know why things happen when they do, do we? But we like to ask the question anyway. Why? Why did this happen? Why did this happen to me? Why did this happen now? Why was my child born learning different? Why did my spouse just all of a sudden walk out on me? Why did I lose my job? Why did my spouse die in a tragic accident? You see, as you and I look at life at a four-foot level, life doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And as we look out and survey the world, it seems like the wicked seem to prosper, but good people seem to suffer the most. You see, when life doesn't make sense and you have suffered some kind of loss in your life, you will go through six phases of a tunnel of chaos. The first phase is shock. This is where your worldview goes 180 degrees. This is where you were thinking, you know what, I've got this job, it's stable, I'm, I'm in a place of stability and security in my life, and then you just get informed that you're laid off. Whoa. You thought you were gonna to be together with this person forever, and then all of a sudden they're walking out on you. Your worldview changes. From, suffer, from suffering or from shock, you and I go to sorrow. This is where our heart begins to break. This is where we begin to grieve. And you and I need to understand something. Sorrow is a godly emotion. It is a good emotion. Shock is a human emotion. God is never shocked. When something happens, he doesn't say, oh my God, I never knew that that was gonna happen. No, no, seriously, you're kidding me, no. But sorrow is a godly emotion. The Bible says that God grieves. The reason that you and I can grieve is because we've been made into God's image and so we grieve and grieving is a good thing. Jesus grieved. It says, the shortest verse in the Bible, I'd encourage you to memorize it, Jesus wept. The Bible refers to Jesus as a man well acquainted with sorrow. Grieving is a good thing. It's what allows you and I to move through the transitions of life. From sorrow, you move to struggle. This is where your mind is going in overdrive. This is where you begin to ask questions like why? Why did this happen? Why is this happening now? Why is this happening to me? Now understand something. When you are in this confusion and where your mind is asking all kinds of questions, just understand that you're not gonna get very many answers, but that's okay. And it's okay to ask the why question because Jesus asked it. My God, my God, why 
Have you forsaken me? But the test of your faith is what you do when you don't get an answer to the questions that you're raising. And so we struggle. From struggle, we move to surrender. This is where we begin surrendering our will. It's where we stop focusing on the why questions and we start submitting our will. We start to accept the new reality. Surrender truly is the key to peace. After surrender comes sanctification. This is where God is beginning to work inside of you. This is where God is beginning to to bring good out of the bad. This is where God is beginning to change you. It's where he's beginning to change your trance or beginning to transform your character. You see, you will never be God. You won't even be a mini God, but you can become more godly where you become more like God in love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and faithfulness and and self-control, the fruits of the Spirit. God works in you. And then from there, God works begins to work through you. This is service. This is the phase where God wants to take your greatest pain and he wants to turn it into your greatest message. He wants to take the mess that you are in and he wants to bring a message out of it. He wants to take the thing that you are ashamed of the most, the thing that you are embarrassed about the most, the thing that you regret the most, and he wants to use it for good in the lives of others. You see, who is better, who is better to help a parent who just has a child and is down syndrome than a parent who's already had a Down syndrome? Who is better in helping someone who has just lost a relationship than someone who has lost a relationship? You see, a lot of times those things, we just don't want to bring them up. We want to run from them. Those are the very things that God wants to use the most in helping other people. You see, these are the phases of a tunnel of chaos, and we're going to take a look at them in the future. But today, I just want you to get this concept, and that is what gets you through is what you know. It's what I know that gets me through what I am going through. And the first concept that I want you to get is that no matter what phase you're in in regards to a tunnel of chaos, you're not in it alone You're not alone. You're not by yourself. God is with you and he loves you. That is why you can have peace even in a tunnel of chaos when life isn't making sense because God is with you and he loves you. You see, as you go through a tunnel of chaos, you will not go through it alone and God has assured you and I of that. There are over 7,000 promises in God's word that assure us and reassure us that he is with us in every aspect of life. One of my favorite ones, if you've ever been in my office and you're going through some kind of tunnel of chaos, you know I'll share this with you. It's Isaiah 43, verse two. Look at this. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you pass through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned up. It will not consume you. Will you circle two phrases? 
I will be with you, and it will not consume you. Like I said, when you are suffering some kind of loss, when you're going through some kind of painful situation, people are going to ask you, how are you doing? And you can answer them this way, I'm crushed. I am crushed, but I am not consumed because God is with me. I have walked with God for 44 years of my life and it, all, it hasn't been always a bed of roses. And I can tell you this, it is better to walk with God and have all kinds of unanswered questions than to walk without God and know all the answers. Why? Because when you're in pain, explanations don't help. You see, when you and I go through a major loss, oftentimes our natural reaction is to find out what's the cause of this, what's the reason, what's the explanation behind this. We begin to think, I've got to figure this thing out. Why did they leave me? I mean, I'm a pretty good looking guy. I thought we had a great relationship. Why am I getting fired? I mean, my last review was stellar. You see, what we naturally tend towards is explanations, but explanations don't help. What you and I need is God, and we need the comfort that comes from God. Folks, if I drop dead right now and Cheryl knew the reason, it wouldn't lessen her pain. Not until she got the life insurance check. I'm worth more dead than alive, okay? Just kidding. But you understand what I'm saying. She could know the reason. The doctor could give her the autopsy report or whatever, and it's not going to help her pain. And so that's why I say this, stop looking for explanations. One day you will understand why things have happened the way they've happened. But until then, your mind and my mind is too small. I've been going through the Bible, uh, the yearly Bible, and I just read just recently out of Psalms 31, you might write this down, Psalms 131, verse one, where David says, I don't give myself to things that are greater than who I am. Folks, there's just some things that are just bigger than we are, that there's no way you and I can get our minds around it. We need to look for the comfort of God. Take a look at Isaiah 13, or not Isaiah, Hebrews 13, verse five. I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. That is a promise that goes from Genesis all the way through Revelations. God says, I will never abandon you. And yet I think all of us here have been abandoned in one way or another, haven't we? Maybe by a parent or a partner or, or a professional or some pal of ours. And yet God will never abandon you. And you and I may be tempted when we are experiencing the greatest pain of our life to think, God, where in the world are you? You've abandoned me, God, but God cannot abandon you. Take a look at Isaiah 49, verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby of her, of her breast or the child she has born? Even if that were possible, which I don't think it is, I will never forget you. Look, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. You see, God has you tattooed to his body. And where did he get that tattoo from? I mean, what tattoo parlor did he get that from? It's called Golgotha on the cross. Right here and right here and on his feet and on his side. 
God loves you so much that he has tattooed you to his body. A lot of times we'll see that with others, won't we? <laughs> I love Susie, and then Susie's gone, then they gotta etch that out or something like that. You see, when you and I get to heaven, we're gonna have perfect bodies. And I hate to tell you, if you have tattoos, you won't have them there. There's only one person that's gonna have a tattooed body, and it's Jesus Christ. Those scars are eternal scars forever to remind you and I of how much he loves us. And so no matter how confused you are with what is happening or what has just happened, when you don't have solutions, when you don't have answers, when you don't have explanations, what you do have is the presence of God and his love for you. When life is confusing, what you need to do is you gotta hold on to the promises of God. When life doesn't make sense, you can still have peace. Because God says, I'm with you and I love you. The second thing that you need to know that needs to be just foundational in your life is this. When everything on earth is broken, you can still have joy because you know God is good and he has a greater plan. Since sin and evil entered into the world, Folks, it messed up everything. Nothing works perfectly anymore. The weather doesn't work perfectly. It has affected our climate. The economy doesn't work perfectly. Would anyone like to share a story about that one? Uh, your body doesn't work perfectly. That's why it would be good to run at the race. Relationships don't work perfectly. Folks, your brain doesn't work perfectly. We all have broken brains. Do you realize that? We are all mentally ill. I'm not saying we're all insane, but I am saying that we're all mentally ill because our brains are broken and we don't think right. If you want to reflect, if you want to read just one chapter out of the Bible, that reflects our culture today, my encouragement to you would be to read Isaiah 24. Let me give you just a few verses out of that chapter here. Look at this. The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted the instructions of God, violated his laws, and broken his covenant. Therefore, the earth has broken down and has utterly collapsed. Everything is lost, abandoned, and confused. I, I really believe today in our culture, we have confusion everywhere. We have confusion about our economy. We have confusion about money. We have confusion about our identity, our personal identity, our family identity, our, our gender identity. We have, we have confusion about life. We have confusion about how to use our time. Folks, there is confusion everywhere. And why is that? Why is there brokenness and suffering in our world? Because of sin and evil. But Pastor George, why is there sin and evil? Because God allows you and me to have a free choice. We can either choose to love God or we can choose not to love God. Well, then why doesn't God just eliminate sin? Well, he could, but you'd, you wouldn't like the answer. By eliminating you. By eliminating me. You see, we are the ones that choose uh, wrongly. We're the ones that have poor choices. 
And as a result, we've been hurting each other for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And think about this. You get enough sin habitually in a person's life, it will affect everything. It will affect the environment. It will affect politics. It will affect relationships. It will affect your DNA. It affects everything. But Pastor George, if everything is broken, how in the world can I have hope? Because we know. We know that God is good, and we know that God has a greater purpose and plan. Take a look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. But we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Folks, this is a great promise, but this promise isn't for everybody. God says, if you love him, everything that happens in your life will work out for good. How is that possible, Pastor George? Because God specializes in bringing good out of bad. He specializes in bringing life out of death. But if you don't love God, all things are not going to work out for good. In fact, all things are gonna work out for bad. Why? Because you're fighting against God. And so I say this, remember, when you, when you get in a fight with God, remember who has the longer arms. God does. You and I have short arms. Now this verse is so important, and it's so misunderstood that I just want to go through this just briefly with us. This verse doesn't say that all things are good. I think that's pretty obvious, but it needs to be repeated. Racism is bad. Rape is bad. Abuse is bad. Bigotry is bad. Terrorism is bad. Cancer is bad. Death is bad. Secondly, this verse doesn't say that everything that happens is God's will. Folks, a lot of people confuse heaven and earth. In heaven, everything is perfect. Why? Because God's will is done there. On earth, everything is broken which means God's will rarely happens. Not everything that happens on earth is God's will. When I go to funerals, and I do too many funerals as far as I'm concerned, but when I go to funerals, sometimes I hear people say things like, well, it must have been God's will. And I never say it out loud, but personally, I think inside, I think, no, it's not. Death is not God's will. Or sometimes I hear people say, well, God must have wanted them more, needed them more than us. And when I hear that, I, I, I have this thought, that's nonsense. God doesn't need anything. You see, what we don't realize is that we're subtly blaming God for things. Death, the ultimate loss, is not God's fault. It's the result of sin and evil. And you and I need to understand something. We live in an evil world, which means that you have an enemy. He's called Satan, and he is out to destroy your life. Why? Because he hates you, and he hates God. He knows he can't hurt God, 
But so he's out to get you. He is out to create circumstances in your life, tunnels of chaos in your life that will separate you from God because he knows that that will grieve the heart of God. You see, God grieves when you and I don't love him the way he's chosen to love us. But if you love him and you seek after his purposes, seeking to fulfill them, it says we know. It didn't say we guess or we hope or we think or it's a great possibility. It says we know that all things work together for good. And what results in us is joy. An internal happiness, an internal contentment, an internal confidence that God is in control and everything is going to work out for good, even my good. Take a look at this verse out of Romans 5, 3 through 5. We can have joy even in our troubles because we know that these troubles produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and this hope will not disappoint us because God has poured his love to fill our hearts. God works things out for good, for your growth, to learn perseverance, to grow in character that you might have hope, a hope that does not disappoint, which leads us to the third thing that you need to know. And that is this, when life is a battle, we can hope because we know there is more to the story. Now I have to be honest with you, from my, even my own life experiences, sometimes our hope disappoints, doesn't it? It does. We step into the tunnel of chaos and things aren't going well, and so what do we do? We begin to pray, God, Relieve me of this pain that I'm in. But it doesn't, it gets worse. And so we solicit others to pray for us. And we build a team around praying for this situation. And it gets worse. And so we tell the team, we've gotta pray more specifically. Pray for this, pray for that, pray for that. Then we start gathering verses that are special to us. What do we do with them? We underline them in our Bibles and, or we put them in a special place and we read them again and again and again. Verses say, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. That weapon that has been raised up against you will not prevail. And we read those and we read those and we read those to give us a faith that things are gonna turn out like we expect them to. We listen to songs on the radio that affirm our faith and give us that hope that things are gonna turn out that way. We put sayings, and I love to put sayings on my refrigerator, quotes. I, I love quotes that do the same thing. And even sometimes what we will do is we will put a fleece out there for God. We know what a fleece is, don't we? It's a Gideon thing. It's out of Judges 6 where Gideon was, he, he was wanting confidence from the Lord that he was the leader to deliver his nation out of this tunnel of chaos that they'd been in for 40 years. And so he said, okay, God, if you're really in this, I'll tell you what, um, here's my rug, make the rug dry and the ground wet. And God did it. And then he, he said, well, I'm not for sure, but do the opposite, God, to make the rug wet and the ground dry. And he did it. We do the same thing, don't we? God, just give me a sign. Someone gives a call, oh, that's it. We see something happen, oh, that's it. That's God's fingerprints on that. And through all these things and more, we believe that God 
has answered us and given us what we want. But then the inevitable happens, doesn't it? The person dies. The business fails. The relationship ends up in divorce court. The, your health gets worse. The operation that you had that you thought was going to make things better really made things worse. And your hope is disappointed. You see, what do you do when your hope doesn't turn out the way you expected it? What do you do when you've gone out on a limb of faith and that limb has broken? It doesn't turn out the way that you expected it to turn out. Well, as I survey my world, I see that there's a few options that are out there. One of those is that you can blame God. You can curse God. You can give up on God. You can say, God, you are a fake. You are a phony. You are a tease. Or you can give God an out, and you can blame yourself. You can say, you know what? My faith just wasn't strong enough. I, I just need to have a better faith. I, I just need to be a better Christian. If I just go to church more, if I just pray more, if I memorize more verses, if I would tithe, if I was just a better mom or dad. You see, you can blame God or you can blame yourself, and yet neither of those responses are adequate or helpful, are they? Because of what you know. Because of what you know about God that you have developed over the years that God is a merciful God, that God is a gracious God, that God is a faithful, that he is trustworthy, that he is kind. All the things that you've accumulated over the years about the character of God, those things prevent you from really believing that God is a fake. In your frustration and in your confusion, you may curse God, but down deep inside, you know you, you, you believe in him or because of what you know of yourself. What's de what, the, the, how you have developed into the mature individual that you are results in you not faulting yourself. It was my faith, I just wasn't strong. No, you don't do go down that road. Oh, if I was a better Christian. So what's left? If you're not going to blame God and you're not going to blame yourself, where do you go with your disappointed hope? What's left? Will you write down this one word? Mystery. Mystery. That tunnel of chaos that you're in or that you've gone through is a mystery. It is a big mystery. But there are a lot of mysteries in life, aren't there? There's the mystery of creation. There is the mystery of life. There is the mystery of when a child is born into the world. We still don't know why that does it that way. There are mysteries, all kinds of mysteries in life. And what do you do with the mystery of your tunnel of chaos? I say this, you put it in the place of all the things that you don't know about. You put it in a special place because you know that one day you will see God face to face and every one of those mysteries will be solved. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. We often suffer, but we're never crushed. Even when we don't know what to do, we never give up. 
In times of trouble, God is with us. And when we are knocked down, we get up again because we know God raised the Lord back to life. And just as he raised Jesus, he will also raise us back to life and will bring us into his presence together. You see, what I am saying here is this, rebuild your hope. You can't live without hope. And so what you do is you rebuild your prayer life and you rebuild your prayer team and you gather new verses that apply to the new situation that you're in and you listen to new songs and you put up new sayings on your refrigerator and you get back going to church again and get back into a biblical community to give you hope for the future for the unfinished story that God is still writing. One of the verses that I absolutely love is 1 Corinthians 15, 43. Look at this verse. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. We have brokenness all around us, don't we? We have broken bodies broken relationships, broken families, broken marriage, broken economy, a broken government. We have broken businesses. But one day, everything will be raised in strength. You see, hope may not look the way that you expected it to be, but hope can still be in you because of what you know. I encourage you, I, I beg you, I urge you to go out on the limb of faith and continue to believe God because God is still the God of the Red Sea. He is still the God of the fiery furnace. He is still the God of the prison cells. He is still the God of the lion's den. He is still the God of the tunnel of chaoses. Folks, he hasn't changed Today, you may be suffering some kind of loss in your life. And we all do, don't we? There's all kinds of losses out there. The loss of health, the loss of finances, the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one through a disease, the loss of friendships through a move. And in those losses, we are tempted to, to give up on hope. Can I just say this? Don't do it. Rebuild it. Don't be afraid to have hope again. Because God is with you, and he loves you, and God is good, and he's got a greater plan, and there is more to the story. So I was thinking about that this past week. I thought, have you ever gone to a movie that just puts you on the edge of your seat? You ever been to look at those suspenseful movies? As I was thinking about that, one that came to my mind was, it was a number of years ago, but it was Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks. You remember that show? I mean, I was in the movie and I was watching. Boom, 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 boom. You know, shaking, kind of tense, and sweat pouring down. And then all of a sudden I realized, I know the end of the story. Why am I going boom, 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 like this? And when I realized that I knew the, the end of the story, all of a sudden I relaxed. And I was better able to enjoy the rest of the movie. You see, your tensions about life 
And the tunnel of chaos that you and I will go through will diminish when you know the end of the story. Yes, you and I as believers, we will grieve. No ifs, ands, buts about that. But we will grieve differently than the world. We will grieve with hope because we know. We know the end of the story. We live with hope in a life of pain as we go through tunnels of chaos because we know. We know the end of the story and we know that even in our pain as we are going through these tunnel of chaoses that we can have hope. Why? Because we have a bigger perspective. Because we have a longer perspective. And because you and I have been called not to just focus on the temporal but the eternal. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says this, so we don't focus on the troubles we see right now. Instead, we look forward to what we don't see yet. For the troubles we see now are temporary, but the joys to come will last forever. I really believe that the biggest epidemic in, in our world today is hopelessness. After I came back from Haiti, and as I've talked with different people, it's, it's even become more, I don't know, prominent in the forefront of my mind. As people talk about that country, and that really the poverty is there, so well, the issue is poverty. The issue is education. We, they're just illiterate if they had better education, or it's a corrupt government, or it's disease, and, and all those things are true of that place. But what I really believe that it is, is hopelessness. I believe our world is in a state of hopelessness. As the world gets smaller and the problems get bigger, people are living and dying today without hope. You see, when, you, when people have a major loss in their life, a lot of times they will think this, it's the end of the world. It is not the end of the world. The end of the world is going to come when Jesus returns. He is risen, and he has said this, I'm coming back. And when he comes back, there will be no more suffering or sorrow or sadness. There will be no more loss of any kind. There will be no more death or disease or despair or doubt or depression or discouragement. But until that day, folks, we can have peace because we know that God is with us and that he loves us. And we can have joy because we know that God is a good God and we know that God has a greater plan and we can have hope because we know that this is not the end of the story, that there is more story to come. Today, I don't know where you're at, but as I thought about closing this message, I thought, you know, there's probably four different types of people that are in this audience. And I'd like to speak to all four, just briefly. The first one is this, for those who haven't stepped across the line of faith and dropped Jesus from your head to your heart, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that here in a minute, but may, may I say this, Jesus came for you. Don't let Satan steal life from you. The second group of people I'd like to talk to are those who struggle with their thought life. 
You see, some of you out there are tortured by your thoughts, maybe of blame or regret or guilt or fear or anger or maybe some kind of an attraction or addiction. You have these thoughts and they plague you all the time. You can't get your mind to mind. May I say as your pastor who loves you, you are not crazy because you can't get your mind to mind. You just need help with your thoughts and we are here to help. And then I, there, I wanna speak to this group and that's to those families out there who have loved ones who are struggling as they're going through some kind of chaos. We are here for you. And then I think the last one is this. We all know people in our world, Collin County, do we not? That are struggling with pain, loss. Our city just experienced that with the suicide of a mom. And I just heard of a teenager. There's a lot of pain and suffering out there. Can I encourage you to invite them to this series? Because as you do, you will be serving them by giving them hope for the tunnel of chaos that they are going through. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us through creation, through your people where we see the love of God, through your word, the Bible. But we thank you first and maybe foremost for how you have revealed yourself to us through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that his life speaks to our life and that it gives us peace. A peace that passes all understanding. A peace that the world cannot give, but Jesus can give. A joy that is not found in externals, but rather is found internally with whatever externals are going on. And a hope that is eternal because we know that the story is not done and one day we will stand in your presence and we will see you for who you really are. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more loss. There will be no more heartbreaks. There will be no more confused wills. There will be no more confusion whatsoever because we will be in your presence where your perfect will is done. Right now, I don't know where you're at with Jesus. But today's your day. If you haven't dropped him from your head to your heart, will you do that by saying simply this, God, I admit that I've turned my back on you. I admit that there have been some things that have hurt me, that it's just moved me from you, God. And today I want to turn about face and I'm coming back to you, God. God, thank you that you died on the cross and rose from the grave that I can know for sure that there's life after death and that the story can be different. And so right now, God, I commit myself to you. I make you my Lord. I say yes to you. 
And if you prayed that prayer, simple as it was, will you just let me know on the connection card? Just write your name, maybe an email address, and write the letter A circling it saying, I've accepted God. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for all the things that you've taught us about who you are. God, may we be people who persevere. May we be those who allow you to use whatever the circumstances we're going through to build our character. Because God, we want to have a hope that is eternal. And so we give you this. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.